Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Bless you, God. It's, it's just fantastic to be with you here uh, this morning. And, uh, you know, this weekend to actually come and minister in, in Northern Ireland and Lurgan and in Portadown, and all that, it's just a, it's a joy. Um, as I say, for me, it's the first time and, uh, and wonderful to be here. So our time is short, as it always is on a, on a Sunday morning. So I want to get straight in. So if you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As Phil has said, for me, it's been 35 years now, full-time in the gospel. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four, and my mom led me to the Lord. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, when I was nine, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, all in the midst of the, the charismatic renewal in the UK, and baptized in water when I was 12. And uh, to make a long story short, when I was 17, Jesus appeared to me in a vision by night, in which I saw him like I see you, and he called me to preach the gospel. I came out of that vision, couldn't talk for 40 minutes, just polaxed by this encounter with Jesus. And, uh, and that's led to these last 35 years uh, around the world preaching the gospel, sometimes to very large crowds and, uh, uh, and other times, you know, just, just ministering to, uh, it's been sometimes in government offices, sometimes in universities and schools and prisons and always glad when they let me back out and all of that kind of thing, but... Um, but, you know, it's just been a joy to share the gospel everywhere and to see Jesus change lives. Because wherever the gospel goes, of course, Jesus goes and lives are changed whenever he touches people, whenever they receive the good news of the gospel. It really is the power of God. And before I really get into my message, I, I want to say this, that while I've been praying for you, praying for Emmanuel, praying here for Northern Ireland, I, I have to say, I... I really do sense a very strong um, rising. It's, it's, it's like a, a vision of, uh, sort of like of a wave of the Spirit of God building up, uh, coming uh, upon this air, coming upon the church, wanting to really push things forward, just a, a bringing again back of the centrality of the gospel. Um, you know, a real pushing out again, an, an, an increase in wanting to raise people up, a reviving of his church. There are, there are things that God is doing right now across the United Kingdom, and I believe that He's doing it right here too. He's reviving His church. He is cleaning up His church. He's giving His church fresh vision again to reach the world. And there is, uh, again, a stirring up of fresh to carry the good news of Jesus out to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just, um, so I was praying for you, had such a sense, a reminder of that time in Numbers 13 and 14, the first time when the children of Israel came up to the edge of the promised land. And of course, under the instruction of the Lord, Moses sends out 12 spies into the promised land. Only two of them ended up seeing through into the next generation, actually entering the land, uh, Joshua and Caleb, because they believed the promise. But the whole other, you know, the remaining ones of that generation all died out, having not embraced and seen everything that was promised because actually they didn't believe what God spoke to them, what God said to them of their inheritance. And we find that the 10 spies come back and they, say the, they make this statement. It's an important statement for us to, to hear and understand. 
They said, when we saw the giants, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so we were in theirs. And can I say that the way we see ourselves in the light of our circumstances and where we stand in life can really determine whether or not we enter our destiny. And I have such a sense, it's a bit of a warning, uh, which I sense in my heart, is that it would be very easy, it can be very easy to say, well, Lord, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, that you could use us to do X, Y, and Z. But I really believe that the Lord wants to lift vision today and lift your heart, lift your faith and say, believe that you are who I say you are. He is promising you a move of God. He is promising you a great harvest. And actually, the, the scripture says in Ephesians 4 that the body grows by that which every joint supplies. And so it really is time to believe that he's going to use you as a people and as individuals to do great things in Northern Ireland. And not only in the north, but also in the south and further afield. He's making this an Antioch center in which he's going to send many teams who are going to go out and make an impact for the gospel, not only in Ireland, but around the world. So I just want to really encourage you before I preach this morning that actually it's so important that you see yourself the way God really sees you. And don't kind of take the view, well, can anything good come out of Lurgan? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That sort of idea. It's very easy for us to, to put ourselves down when actually God is wanting to pick us up and give us a bigger vision of what he can do through our lives. Great things ahead. Amen? Amen. It's a bit quiet, but you know, I don't just say, I often preach, sometimes, you know, I do a lot of preaching overseas, and uh, you know, when you're preaching overseas sometimes, they, they preach half your message for you. You know, you kind of say amen, they shout hallelujah, and you know, if you ever feel the message is going down, just say amen again, it's back up, you know, it's, it's the way it is. Anyway, hey, let's just, uh, let's pray for a moment, and we'll get into the Word together. Father, we're just so delighted to be in your presence this morning. We thank you that you are here amongst us. We thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you are a God who works miracles. You are a God who changes lives. We thank you, Lord, that you are amongst us. Father God, I pray that not one person in this place today would leave Emmanuel without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. I pray, too, that you would lift faith that you would touch, that you would heal, that you would restore and revive. Have your way here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, years ago, believe it or not, uh, I was also a youth worker at one time in my life. I've just turned 54, so it does seem a long time ago. It was nice on Friday to be able to address the young people uh, again. I uh, I have one of the younger guys in our team get up and give his testimony, and I normally just let him carry on because he's a lot younger and cooler than me. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know, I knew I was meant to be preaching, so it was a joy to actually address the young people and see, them, see many of them come through to the Lord there. But, uh, but when I was a youth worker, I can remember sometimes in, in addressing the issue of discipleship, we would say to the young people, if you sow a thought, you reap an act. If you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. And if you sow a character, you reap a destiny. We need to be careful what we allow in here, in here, in here. I want to say, wherever you are today, wherever you are this morning, everything changes at the cross of Christ. And I want to speak to you this morning about the power of the cross. 
Because the church generally, we find, tends to swing to extremes in one way or the other. And speaking from 35 years of seeing evangelism and mission across the United Kingdom, it has, it's been 54 nations, but I've always had a major emphasis in my heart in, in the UK. And I've seen the church sometimes swing on, on one side into social action and, uh, and all of that, thinking somehow that's the gospel, but it isn't. It's something we need to be doing, being salt and light in our world, but it's not the gospel. And then on the other side, sometimes we swing into signs and wonders and the prophetic. And, and you know, this is really needed, and this is really needed, but it's the cross that gives meaning to it all. And the Lord is wanting us to come back to the centrality of the cross of Christ. It's where we encounter Him, where everything changes. Paul the Apostle, you know, I think if anybody could boast of the number of leaders they raised up, of the number of churches they planted, of the number of miracles they saw, even of the third heaven experiences that they had, it would be the Apostle Paul. And yet in Galatians 6.14, he makes this remarkable statement where he says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ, by which I have been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. The message of the cross changed Paul. It changed his character. It changed his purpose. It changed everything that he lived for. And so today we're going to look at the power of the cross. There is so much we could say about the message of the cross. So many things that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. But we only have got 20 minutes here really to preach the, the main body of this message. So I want to just emphasize four things that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 24, we read these words. For the message of the cross... And I'm going to give particular emphasis to it so we capture the heart of it. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Basically, our approach to the message of the cross tells us the direction of our life, where we're headed. For it's written, I will bring, it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe or the lawyer? Where is the disputer or philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its own wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Amen. Amen. Why does it mention the Greeks? Why does it mention the Jews? Well, first of all, he mentions the Greeks because, you know, the, the Greeks were the great, um, they were the great thinkers, the great philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, the great intellectuals. And to them, the message of the cross was foolishness. But of course, the Lord is the one who is the ultimate intellectual. Uh, I'm told that even the brightest brains in the world only use about 26% of the capacity of the human brain. But the fact about it is, is that God knows everything about us. And really, at the end of the day, 
as I often say to people, really, if you've got the, the whole alphabet behind your name, you know something, and you've got a Swiss bank account, and you've got millions in it, if you're dying of cancer and the doctors have given you up, you would give everything that you've got and everything that stands behind your name just to have some more years of life in your family, wouldn't you? In the words of Jesus, if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul, what does it profit you? Really, I've had the joy of leading mafia men to Christ, Islamic terrorists to the Lord, uh, people like that, right on the other extreme, multimillionaires and government leaders and Actually, the truth is the greater majority are just ordinary folks like you and me. But I find at the end of the day, everybody has the same basic needs. We all need to know that we're loved. We all need forgiveness. We all need peace with God. We need surety of the future and of the certainty of eternal life. All of these things are the things that every human being needs. And so the reality is, is that deep in the heart of every human being, there is what somebody called a God-shaped hole. You can't fill it with anything else. I, I have sat with guys who are multimillionaires, sometimes in business class on an airplane. I personally have never paid for business class, but praise God, I've been bumped up now and again. And sometimes I've been sitting there and, and some business guys have looked at me and said, John, in all honesty, I would give all the millions I have to have half the purpose I see in your eyes. And the truth is, is that, thank God, I think next to knowing God and His love and His presence in our lives, purpose is one of the greatest gifts you can give a human being. We were all made to know Him. We were all made to have a job. We were all made to have a relationship with God. And we were all made to have a community to share life with. And if any one of those things goes wrong in our lives, something goes wrong. And the truth is, ultimately, you can have the other two, but if you don't have the relationship with God, it's an empty existence. So really, I want to encourage you, everything good comes from the Lord, but you need Him in your life. And without Him, everything else is a bit of a blur. But Jesus gives life and definition and purpose to us. The other side of it, why, why, why the stumbling block to the Jews? Why is the message of the gospel a stumbling block to the Jews? And the reason for that is that they were very confident in their own self-righteousness. And, and I've got to be honest with you, over the years, I've found the self-righteous are the hardest people to reach for the gospel. Because they think they don't need salvation. They think they're okay. I love to preach in prisons. Prisons are actually the easiest place in the world to preach the gospel. Everybody wants to be free. <laughs> Everybody knows they've done something wrong. And everyone knows they need forgiveness. And so it's an easy place to preach. We've seen thousands of prisoners give their life to the Lord. But when you are outside of prison preaching the gospel to people who think they're okay, well, that's a different issue altogether. I come, out, I come from a place, that, uh, I was born and raised in Surrey. It's stockbroker belt, really, in, in London. And, and Sutton, which is at the London borough of Sutton, that area I kind of grew up in, that was our main town. And it's an interesting town because uh, on one side of it, you have one of the poorest estates in the whole of London, the Rose Hill Estate. On the other end, you have more millionaires than almost anywhere in the whole of London. And everybody meets in the center. So it's a very interesting kind of mix of people. And I can remember being down there sharing the gospel on the streets. And I had just finished with a drug addict who had given his life to the Lord. And he was really, he was really messy. He was wearing denims and, and it, it was just totally dirty. And, you know, he had heard me preaching the gospel down there. And he sobbed his way through to Jesus. He was in my arms. I just bought a brand new shirt, to be honest. And that was the end of the shirt, to be honest. It was just, 
you know, but, but blessed if it was also worth it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be crude, but I mean, there's just snot and everything all over the place, and that was the end of that. But, but I can remember him, his eyes suddenly were, were full of light. You could tell he had come to the Lord, and new hope had come to him. I handed him down to the pastor, and it was great. But I finished with him, but all the time I was holding him out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man standing there, a very finely dressed gentleman, who I'm going to call Mr. Armani. <laughs> And actually, he's wearing a three-piece suit, and, and he's looking more and more irate at me. He's getting a bit red under the collar. Anyway, when I finish with this other guy, and I hand him to the pastor, suddenly Mr. Armani steps up to me, and he puts his hand out to me, and he says, Jonathan. And I, I sort of inwardly braced myself, waiting for what was to come. I said, sir. I said, nice to meet you. And he looked at me, and he said, um, I've been listening to you preach. And I said, Right, well, I, I trust it was a blessing. You know. And he looked at me and he says, I want you to know I have a great marriage. I have a wonderful job. He said, I live a good life. I don't need God. I don't need the gospel. I certainly don't need forgiveness. I thought, wow. So I said, look, sir, I said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to waste your time or anything. I mean, you seem like a busy guy to me and obviously don't feel I've got anything to offer you. And uh, I said, but just before you go, let me shake your hand again. You know, it's so rare I meet a perfect man. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> uh, I, I said, uh, in, in fact, the, the last one I met was Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> but anyway, I, I said, yeah, but just before you go, uh, I said, you know, can I just say, uh, just give you a few things to think about as you go into your busy day. I said, you know, it, it does shock a lot of people that the laws of God in Scripture were not actually given to make men righteous. They were actually given to, uh, to be like a bit of a mirror that we look into and they really show us what our heart is really like and our need of God. So actually, that's what it was. It was given as, as something that would just expose our sin and our need of God. So I tell you, why don't we just have a little look in the mirror for a moment? Because nobody gets into heaven by being a good person. So I said, here we are. I said, uh, let's forget about the first one. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And second one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. No one does that perfectly. So that means everybody sins every day. Everybody needs forgiveness. But let's move that on quickly. Uh, I said, I, I don't want to burden you or anything, but let's just pick out three, shall we? So here's, the, here's, here's one. I said, you shall not murder. Have you ever murdered anyone, sir? He looked at me and said, I want you to know I've never murdered anybody. I said, well, I'm so glad to hear it. I said, uh, I said but you know, Jesus said, that if you hate someone, you've murdered them already. So have you ever hated anybody, sir? Maybe the government? Maybe Inland Revenue? <laughs> Who knows? I said, I said, have you ever hated maybe a, a business partner who diddled you out of something? Or maybe you were going, somebody just cut you up as you went round a roundabout and something slipped out your mouth, that's it. Anything like that ever happened to you, sir? You know, you know, well, well, you wouldn't have that. Okay, I said, all right, all right, no pressure. Anything. Let's just move on, shall we? I said, Here, here's, here's another one. Um, the, the law of God says you shall not commit adultery. Have you ever committed adultery, sir? He said, I want you to know I've always been faithful to my wife. I said, I'm so pleased to hear it. I, I said, but Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. I said, which probably means the whole male population has at some point or another. I said, so, sir, you know, can I ask you, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Maybe, just maybe. Well, haven't we all? I said, yes, well, quite all right. Well, look, let's just move on, shall we? So I said, just one last one. The, the law of God says the law will not hold guiltless the man who takes his name in vain. Have you ever said, oh, my? Yeah, 
I said, so I said, look, let's have a quick rewind for a moment of our conversation. So we began basically with you telling me that, that you're a very decent man, you've got a great wife, a great, you know, great marriage, great job, that you don't need God, you don't need Jesus, you certainly don't need any forgiveness. So basically, you're a perfect man. We've ended our conversation with you freely admitting to me, actually, you're a blasphemous, adulterous murderer. I, I, said, I, I, I think perhaps maybe you might see your need of forgiveness now. I remember he suddenly looked at me and said, where are those New Testaments you were handing out? You know? But the truth is, guys, that we've all sinned. We can't save ourselves. We need to be born again. A, a, a mate of mine, an evangelist, we were, we were doing a mission together. I was doing one night, he was doing the next night. I'll never forget, he, he's a really clever guy. And he was preaching the gospel. He got to the, you know, almost to the end of his message and just to really stress this point, he said, Do you know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He said, it's so easy to prove. He said, is there anyone here who's never ever sinned in thought, word or deed? Please raise your hand. And the whole place goes quiet. Suddenly a guy in his 40s raises his hand at the back. And then my friend says, sir, are you, are you honestly telling me you've never ever sinned in thought, word or deed? He said, yes, absolutely. He said, my goodness. He said, you must be very proud of that. He said, absolutely. He said, thank you, sir. It's your first sin. I'll see you down the front of the end. <laughs> But the truth is, we need a saviour. Because how far, how far does that salvation extend? How great is the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf? What we see in the Bible is that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was a divine exchange. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is really point number one. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What an amazing divine exchange. The Living Bible says God took all of our wickedness and poured it into Christ and took all Christ's goodness and poured it into us. An amazing exchange. And you know, we, I can remember years ago preaching the gospel in the Philippine Islands, 20,000 people out there in, in a little place called Ippel, and uh, in, in Mindanao, the, is, the Islamic-dominated part of the Philippine Islands, now being taken over by the Muslims. And I can remember, I'm not kidding, about one in every 15, 20 people had a gun on their side, and uh, it wasn't like preaching a nice Emmanuel, uh, you know, when they didn't like what you said, the gun started to come up. And I would look at them and think to myself, well, if I'm going down now, I'm going down fighting. You know, I would uh, just preach my heart out and the anointing would get stronger and the gun would go down again. And so, you know, uh, your whole sermon was a, a matter of this, you know. And, uh, but I can remember in the middle of worship, the presence of God came so strong. And I, I would never lie to you, I'm telling the absolute truth. In the middle of worship, as a young 19-year-old lad, led us in a, a, an old song made famous by a lady in the States in the 70s called Catherine Kuhlman. Began to lead us in this old song. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. And they sang and they sang. And the glory of God began to roll in like a physical cloud over 20,000 people. 
I mean, even the Muslims, I mean, there's about 19,000 mix of Muslims and Catholics who don't know Christ. There are some Catholics who do know Christ. But these are many Catholics who didn't know Christ. And many Muslims, and even them, are raising their hands and tears coming down their cheeks. I don't think they knew what they were singing. Goiters started to disappear off people's throats. We have at least 20 people where the goiters disappeared in the presence of God. Suddenly there's a man there that was infamous in the community. Called, they used to call him Johnny Hitman for a reason. He had taken many people's lives in the name of Islam. But he heard the good news of the gospel that day, that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And old things are passed away and all things become new. And Johnny gave his life to Christ that night. I'll never forget because I had the privilege of baptizing him in water. And at the end of those days of mission, I took him and I baptized him in the water. And as he went down, I wasn't looking for this, but I had a vision and I saw blood coming off his hands. I said, Lord, what is that? And the Holy Spirit said to me, that is the blood of all the lives he has taken and never again will I require it from him. Today, Johnny is a pastor in the Philippines, giving life instead of taking it. In fact, Every week, he goes up into the stronghold of the NPA, the National People's Army, guerrilla movement now, now run by Al-Qaeda. And he goes up there preaching the gospel to these very men he used to murder with. That's the power of the gospel to transform lives. The gospel reaches that far to transform men's and women's hearts. Thank God, through the cross, Jesus became sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness in the eyes of God. That's an amazing miracle of grace. Well, we see in number two, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, it says that not only did Jesus bear our sins in his own body, but it also says, by his wounds, we were healed. Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied 600 years before Christ's coming and with piercing accuracy looks down on the cross and says, by his wounds, we are healed. Peter, looking back about 30 years after the cross, looks back and speaks of it as a past done deal. That through the cross, healing was made available for you and me today. Do you know, I I just want to give a, a personal testimony of how our family actually came to the Lord. My mom, obviously, she knew Jesus from an early age, getting saved in Portadown. However, my, my dad is as English as they come. And on his side of the family, the Conrad side, is originally from Germany. And my grandfather was a, a regimental sergeant major. He was a tall man, a strong man, didn't suffer fools lightly. But you know, in his later years, um, he began to bleed heavily from the bow. He was quite a wealthy man by this time and a good businessman. And so he managed to get straight into a private hospital, St. Anthony's Hospital in North Chimsari. They took x-rays and it showed he had a totally shredded bowel by bowel cancer. And so they, they wanted to get him in very quickly to take him in. They said, we're really sorry. We're going to have to cut out a whole chunk of your bowel and you're going to need to live with a bag of colostomy on the side of, of your stomach for the rest of your life. Well, of course, we didn't want that for him. And so my dad and I particularly were praying for his healing. You know, sometimes in family, uh, you can be so close, it can affect your faith. And so we took him along to a pastor friend of ours who he knew moved in miracles. And, uh, and he actually laid hands on him. Now, sometimes when you're prayed for, for healing, you really feel something. You feel the power of God, a heat or something like that. But my granddad actually didn't feel anything. So we walked out of that meeting and he said to me, what do I do now, John? 
I said, well, granddad, you know, we must believe the promise. He said, you know, Jesus said that when we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, we'll recover. So just start to thank him. So we need to be both spiritual about this, thanking God, believing we've received. We've also got to be practical. We're believing for all the bleeding to stop and that you won't need the operation. But if the bleeding doesn't stop, we're not believing for that. But if it doesn't stop, you need to go through with the op because it's your life. 24 hours went by and there was no bleeding. 48 hours went by and there was no bleeding. So my granddad went in to see the, the consultant who he knew personally. And he sat down with him and he said to him, listen, he said, I, I demand another x-ray. And, uh, you know, being a, an RSM, he was a very straight talker. And the consultant looked at him and said, listen, he said, Roy, don't give me any of this God stuff. <laughs> you know? But my granddad looked at him and he said, listen, I'm paying. I demand another x-ray. He said, right, we'll send you down. But when it came back, he looked at the x-ray. He said, they must have got the wrong man. He said, um, this can't be true. He said, I'm sending you back for another x-ray and this one's on us. <laughs> and so... They sent him back, but when the second x-ray came back, the consultant, who's not a Christian, he shows the diagnosis x-ray with a shredded bowel, and the one after prayer shows a brand new bowel. And he says to him, Roy, honestly, he says, I don't know what to say to this. You had no medical intervention at all, and bowel cancer doesn't do this. But I have to do the medical thing, and that means I've got to see you once every six months for six years. Do you know it never came back? He was totally healed by the power of God. As you can imagine, it had a profound effect on us as a family. My grandfather gave his life to the Lord. My, my dad gave his life to the Lord. And that had all happened well before the miracle. But, but uh, my granddad actually came to Christ years before when one of our SAS guys got gloriously saved. And uh, God used him to reach my granddad. The Lord knows what he's doing. But, you know, we just rejoice that our, our God is a miracle-working God. So Jesus bore our sins that we might be made righteous in the sight of a holy God who is also a loving Father. He also took our sicknesses and diseases that we might be healed. The Scripture also tells us in Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14, that Jesus delivered us, God delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have deliverance through His blood, even the remission of sins. And so we see as a point number three that there is freedom through the cross of Christ. I can tell you so many, many stories, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you one. I'm watching the clock. I, quite, I haven't quite got Joshua's anointing to make time stand still yet. We're working on that one. There we go. But let me just tell you this story quickly. So, what one should I share? No, there's just lots of stories. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this one here. It's a guy called Alan. We'll share some more tonight. But really, Alan, when we first got to know Alan, Alan was a, a great guy. Uh, but the thing is, is that Alan was desperate for a job. He was out of a job. He, he would take anything. Eventually, he became a publican. It was the only job he could get hold of. And uh, like a lot of guys, he thought, oh, it's fine. I can handle my drink. But before long, he was, he was taking the alcohol, and it started to get a hold on him. And it got to a place where he couldn't even function without drinking a liter of vodka to start the day. That's serious. He went through six different drying out sessions with Alcoholics Anonymous. But the moment he'd be out, he'd be back on the drink. Nothing could help him. 
He got to a place where the doctors finally said to him, your liver is so shot that if you don't stop drinking, you'll be dead in three months. I can remember it was about that time we got to know him in the family. And we had a great South African preacher come and visit the church, a guy called Ray McCauley, uh, who led the Rama Church in South Africa. It's a church of about 29,000. And in those days, he was number three Mr. Universe and used to go sharing the gospel, flexing his muscles while Cliff Richard played. It's all a bit of a, of a story. But anyway, the thing is, is that he came and he came to the church and he shared his testimony. And I'll never forget, because when he gave the appeal for salvation, the first guy down the front was Alan. And, uh, and Ray didn't know Alan from Adam. And he gave the appeal and he suddenly points at Alan and he says to him, Sir, I don't know what this is about, but the Spirit of God says to you, from this moment forth, never again. Do you know from that day to this, and we're talking over 35 years, Alan has never touched a drop of alcohol again. His liver was restored. Jesus totally delivered him. Do you know one encounter with the king and you can be totally set free? I want to encourage you today, whatever it is, and we live in a world of addiction today, but you can come and you can come to the cross with your bondage and you can leave with his freedom today. It's for you if you'll have it so in Jesus' name. The last thing I want to just share with us is found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 tells us this. It tells us that inasmuch as we, as, as people with flesh and blood bodies, inasmuch then as He wanted to save us, He also took upon Himself a flesh and blood body, so that through death He might deliver those who were held in bondage by the fear of death and destroy the power of of the devil, setting us free from the fear of death. And let me say, I think that the fear of death is perhaps the mother of all fears. The greatest fear in humanity. And behind it stands the fear of rejection by God. Today, you don't need to be a captive to the fear of death. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Rick Warren, who is the pastor of one of the largest churches, I think he's just stepped back from being the senior leader now, but church of 29,000 and uh, a Saddleback Community Church in California, one of the largest churches in America. He wrote that brilliant book, The Purpose Driven Life. When he gets to the last chapter, he makes this statement that as the pastor of one of the largest churches in, in America. He's been at the bedside of some of America's greatest entrepreneurs, greatest sports heroes and people like that, just in their last moments. And he makes this comment. He says, no one has ever turned to me in those last moments and said to me, Pastor, please check my stocks and shares. Pastor, check my, my Facebook likes, my popularity ratings. He said that that moment brings sharply into focus what life is really all about. He says, everyone suddenly turns to me and says, Pastor, what's going to happen to me? Where am I going? Is everything going to be all right? He says, somehow there is a deep internal knowing in every human heart that there is more to life than the nine-to-five grind, that actually we were made to know God and that there is an eternity to come. The real question is, where are you going to spend it? It was George Harrison of the Beatles 
who made this statement at the end of his life story, where he said, I've had everything the world could give me. He said, all the wealth, or he said, all the women, all the fame. He says, but here I am, and the doctors say, I've got five minutes left to live. He said, I'm haunted by the three questions that follow me all my life. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Do you know the answer to those three questions is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today the Lord is calling you. He's calling every one of us. And if you're here today and you say, John, I honestly have no assurance that my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I want to be sure. I want to know the Lord. I want to be forgiven and start a relationship with God. Well, this is your moment. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. And the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart and He wants you to come to Him. He wants to save you and make you His own this morning. It may be that some of you gave your life to Jesus years ago, but you actually know that you've not been living the life He's called you to live. And you feel at a distance from the Lord. And the Father is calling you to come home to Him today. There are men and women here, and I know it in my spirit, that you have a call from God in your life to serve Him. Not just to to, to walk with Him, but also to work in His kingdom. And God is calling you, but you've been holding back from Him. And there's all kinds of areas of compromise and stuff going on in your life. And the Lord is calling you to settle the issue today and surrender. There's a great harvest to come in Northern Ireland and across the whole island. And I want to say to you, this is the time. God is calling you to get ready. God is calling you to surrender your life and to make ready. The Bible says that his people will be volunteers in the day of his power. And as God is moving by his spirit and he's about to do something new, I want to to say to you, this is the time to get right with God. This is the day to surrender to him and let him do with your life what he wants to do, that you can finish your race well and come home on that final day to a well done, my good and faithful servant. It's the way to live. Can we just for a few moments bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God? Father, we just thank you for your presence here amongst us. Right now as we pray this prayer together, I pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, that you would prepare the hearts of each and every person in this place who needs to know you for a first time or perhaps needs to surrender their life again to you. Draw near to them by the Holy Spirit at this moment, Lord. So right now, as I pray, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. I'll leave a a gap to you to say the prayer line by line after I say the words. The prayer is totally based on Scripture. God delights to hear it and answer it, to save us and to make us one, you know, His children. So as I pray this prayer, let's all pray it. Those of you who need to pray it for a first time, pray it. Pray it out loud. If you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. The Bible says you'll be saved. So pray it with me and mean it in your heart as you do. Others who need to come back to the Lord, pray the prayer also and everybody else. Let's pray it to support those who need to for a first time or a recommitment. Let's say this together to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I believe it. And today I turn from my sins to follow you. Come into my heart. Save me. Change me. Make me your own. 
I boldly confess Jesus is Lord. And I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now guys, before we go any further, Jesus himself said these words. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before people, neither will I confess you before the Father. We cannot be secret Christians. We have to nail our colors to the mast. So what I'm going to do right now is if you prayed that prayer for a first time or you prayed it as a recommitment of your life to Christ, I'm going to count down to three. And when I get to the number three, that's your signal. Just to raise your hand like this and say, yes, that's me. There's going to be one more step after that, but this is the first one. Are you ready? When I get to the number three, if you prayed it for a first time or you prayed to recommit your life to Jesus, when I get to the number three, just raise your hand. Here we are. One, two, three. Just do that right now if that's you. As a first time or a recommitment of your life. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. Anybody else over here? Okay, anybody else over here? Sorry, don't want to step on that brother's guitar. Anybody down here? Prayed it for a first time or a recommitment of your life? Quickly raise your hand. Anyone else? Okay. So there's just two over here. Okay, that's brilliant. Look, can I ask right now for those two who raised their hand, can I just say, is this, if it's a first time you prayed that prayer, can you quickly raise your hand again? Okay, for this lady, that's a first time. Can I just have a, a sister here who's on the prayer ministry team? Could you keep your hand up, love? So that one of the ladies on the prayer ministry team, could you just go back and welcome this lady into God's family? Just pray for her for a few moments. Do I have a lady who could just come and minister to this lady here? All right. Do we have a lady here? Could you just pray for this lady? Brilliant. Thank you so much. Just keep your hand up, love, and this lady will be with you for a few moments. And she just wants to pray with you and encourage you. We just give you a warm welcome into God's family. Bless you. Amen. Guys, uh, I, I know that uh, tonight we're particularly having a major push in evangelism. And so I want to encourage us to get on the phone and to invite as many people as we can. But uh, can I just say for a moment, um, I know time is whizzing on here, but uh, if you can't make it tonight and you need Jesus to do a miracle in your body, can you quickly stand up and put a hand on your body where you are? Of the many, many tens of thousands that we've seen Jesus heal around the world, so much of that has happened literally by the power of the spoken word. As people have just stood and they put a hand on their body and we prayed for Jesus to touch them and heal them right where they are. Jesus is right where you are this morning. So if there's anybody like that, you can't make it tonight, but you're wanting Jesus to touch you and heal your body. Could you stand where you are for a moment? And we're just going to pray from the front before we wrap things up here this morning. Okay, God bless you guys. Anybody else? Bless you, madam. Okay. Okay, that's great. Lovely. Now look, guys, those, of you, those who are around, these precious folks who are standing, can I ask you right now just to stand up with them and put a hand on their body right where they are? The Scripture says as believers, if we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And so we're going to, we're going to speak the word from here. I want you to pray where you are for the healing as well. We join our faith here together for them to be healed. Church, let's pray together in faith here and believe for the Lord to bring healing to our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
I want you, as you put your hand on them, ask them what it is that they need healing for and then welcome the Holy Spirit's presence and power on them and then speak to the condition and command it to be healed in Jesus' name. We only see one or two times in the whole of the New Testament where Jesus ever prays for anybody to be healed. The greater majority of healing happens by the spoken word. So I want you to give a faith command. Command the condition to be healed. And keep your hand on them. Give time for the Holy Spirit to manifest and then encourage them to do what they couldn't do before. All right? There we are. It's a healing seminar in two minutes. There you go. Just put your hand on them and just pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit. And then just speak. Give a command of faith right now. Come on, church. Let's join them in faith. Just be praying right now. Father, we just thank you for our precious brothers and sisters right now. We bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we take authority right now over infirmity. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. Infirmity leave in Jesus' name right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Pain go right now in Jesus' name. I see somebody particularly at this moment who's got a gallbladder condition. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody's had like a long COVID sort of asthmatic kind of condition. I speak to that. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus right now. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for a miracle. We bless you for total healing here in Jesus' name. Somebody who gets some pressure that comes up into your head. You get a lot of pain, but it actually comes from the top part of your spine and it pushes pressure and pain into your head. Father, we just speak healing and wholeness into the spine right now. In the name of Jesus, let the vertebrae be made whole. And Father God, that all the pain would be alleviated, Lord, in the head. Be totally healed and made whole in Jesus' name. The person with pressure behind the eyes, let that be healed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for that healing of that acid reflux condition too. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. And the gentleman who has a cartilage condition in his left knee, let that be totally healed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for these healings in the name of Jesus. Just start to thank Him right where you are. Just start to thank Him right where you are. Just give Him praise. Give Him praise, give Him praise, give Him praise. And if already you can sense there's a change in your body, just wave your hand and just give Him some thanks and some praise. If you know God has already brought about change in your body. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Guys, look, it's been a huge privilege to share with you today. And... uh, bless you. We're really looking forward to a great time together tonight. So God bless you and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.